more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Well, welcome everyone to another amazing showcast, style cast of Sense of Beer Style. Hello, Jeremy, and we are diving hello, in. Hello, hello. And we are diving in and excited to have you with us, whether you have one in your glass in hand or not, but we always encourage that. English IPA is part of the 2021 Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines. Jeremy has a coveted example, and so he'll uh, yes. entice you through it if you're watching us. Um, and if not, don't worry, and you're listening, we're going to intimately describe this, and you are going to be tra- changed and transformed. Um, as much as, frankly, this style has been changed and transformed, and that's probably a good kind of uh, setup for the big picture, some of the relevance of English IPA in our um, modern beer culture, as well as its history and evolving nature. Um, you got a lot of controversy over the, I guess, um, story and um, defining of this style. Um, you've got CAMRA, which is a governing organization in the UK that represents um, brewers' interests, really weighing in on so-called English IPAs and talking about the strengths. So CAMRA literally even going on the record and documented in the Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines, so-called IPAs with strengths of around 3.5% are not true to style. That makes sense based on when we go over the vital statistics (laughs) for how the style is. But you've got commercial brewers that can say anything. They can, this is not governed in certain ways. Um, And they've even quoted an English historian, Martin Cornell, has commented that these beers um, are not really distinguishable from an ordinary bitter. I think that's interesting because if we tasted them side by side, we'd probably be able to, to prove that they are. So it's a style that's got a lot of history from um, England, uh, and these were originally heavily hopped beers uh, shipped over to India. Uh, they were contained in casks, but the casks were very well used, so you don't have any essence of you know, tannins or polyphenols from those casks. And modern versions today um, really started with the 1830 version uh, that really, uh, I think, got well-known from the George Hogston Brewery that I personally not had, but the Bow Brewery um, helped establish the style, although the guidelines are important, point out that they didn't create it. Um, and then the beer was, in the Hogston era in the 1830s, reformulated. One thing that's always held steady, even into circa 2023, uh, is that the water profile of the style will come up when Jeremy and I talk a lot about it. And you'll hear about Burton, Burton-on-Trent, which is yep. an area in England and the UK, sulf- sulfite-rich hard water. And yeah. I think that is truly a, a big um, attribute. So, Jeremy, anything you want to add in the big picture setup and please kind of dovetail into the ca- classic ingredients for English IPA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for that intro, Julia. Um, this 
this is one of probably the this is the most storied beer style. Uh, there's a lot of myth. There's a lot of fairy tale, and it's all a really fun story to tell. Most of it's probably true or true-ish. Um, you know, during those days, were there British troops in India? Yes. Were they were they hot and thirsty? Most likely. Did they want uh, beer from the homeland? You betcha. So, in order to get beer to travel that far and remain uh, good and drinkable and not bad and sour and gross, you had to add more hops. You had to up the alcohol for it to preserve for that long trip. Is that true? Yes. We see that in other styles that have the export label to it. They're a little bit stronger because they need to travel. Uh, and, and did those troops come back home and say, I want that beer style that I had when I was abroad? Maybe. Maybe, but nonetheless, that's the story that has come out. Um, was this the only beer shipped to England, uh, to to India? No, it was not the only uh, uh, beer shipped to, uh, to India. Um, was it the only brewery? Was the Bow Brewery from uh, George Hodgson? Was it, was that the only one shipping stuff? No, but they uh, there was a lot of elbowing, uh, uh, political and business elbowing. They were on the team, so it made it made it a lot easier for them to distribute, and uh, they made sure that they had competitive advantage. And that's a different story for a different podcast. So let's get to the essence of what IPA is. Um, uh, you brought this up, Julia. I, I just want to lay this to rest. In order to get this beer to ship intact to India, it had to be hoppier and it had to be stronger. So when we have an IPA that's 2 or 3%, that's like saying it's a sessionable strong ale. What, what is that? That's an oxymoron. It's either strong or it's sessionable, but it can't be both at the same time. So, so that's where uh, we need to be clear on what it is we're talking about. Uh, IPAs tend to be on the stronger side, stronger is being relative, uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit when we get to vital stats, but that's the background behind all that stuff. The ingredients that will go into these traditional styles, keep in mind, um, when we talk about this BJCP style, we're really talking about the the cask ale version and less the bottled versions, and that's really what the style was kind of written around. So, so keep it with a grain of salt. But these beers are kind of simple. You've got uh, pale ale malt. You have uh, English hops that are going into it, especially as finishing hops to get that hoppy flavor as well as the bitterness. Um, you can even have some refined sugar in there to dry out that body. Um, and you're going to use a, a very attenuative uh, British yeast uh, along with some of those British yeast. If you got a touch of diacetyl in there, it's not the biggest sin that you know one could imagine. But you mentioned this: uh, the Burton on Trent, the Burton, uh, uh, the Burtonized water, higher in sulfate, that really brings the hops, the hop flavor, and the hop bitterness into a clear, sharper focus. Uh, using my camera analogy, when we're talking about flavors, um, and so that is uh, the impact. But pretty simple recipe for these beers is just in how you use it. Uh, so those are the ingredients you can expect in a typical British style IPA. I'm going to pour my glass and I'm going to ask you to talk about the appearance. And while Jeremy is doing that, uh, we're going to pay attention on appearance to color because this is one of those styles that has such a broad range. Um, the color ranges for this can be golden to deep amber, anywhere yeah. from 6 to 14 SRM. So it could be deceiving if you see one of these. I also want to add, if you're studying the style guidelines from BJCP at least, 
pale commonwealth beers is the category this has been put in and it ties to the history. So in appearance, which I'll get to in a moment, um, or appearance aside, pale commonwealth beers are listed in the style guidelines different than the English bitters. And what they get at is pale, moderately strong, hop forward bitter ales from countries within the former British Empire. That's important to note because these beers can be light in color. That's why I bring it up during appearance. So color ranges, as I said, is golden to deep amber. Um, most are fairly pale. I'm seeing that as, as deep amber, right? Not, yes. not at all going to uh, brown or anything. Or It's like a light copper, um, little rust color, beautiful colored beer. Yeah, perfect. Um, and we want it to be clear, although unfiltered, dry hopped versions can be a bit hazy. That is classic, you know, hop haze and dry hopping influence. That'd be okay. Um, and then that collar of foam that Jeremy is uh, able to showcase, or you would see yourself if you're just listening and pour one in your glass, it should be a um, medium sized, very persistent collar of foam. And that off white color will often influ uh, be influenced by some specialty malt. Um, not just the pale base malt that's used as the main fermentable. So very pretty beer. And now, how does it smell? Well, this particular beer that I got, uh, I, you know, I've got the the beer and the glass from this uh, incredible brewery in uh, in uh, Bend, Oregon. Um, is Porter Brewing, but they they specialize in cask only British style ales. And I've spoken at length with the brewer, and he is dedicated to the craft of, uh, to, uh, to say the least. Um, and please forgive my plug of that incredible brewery, but I I'm not ashamed. If you're in Bend, that's probably one of my, the first breweries I'm going to take you to is, uh, is this Cascale. That being said, um, uh, finding a true from, from Britain, uh, British, uh, IPA is a little bit more challenging. Maybe if you find a big box uh, store, you might have a chance of getting something from like Samuel Smith or something like that, but they're not that, they're not that common in the U S we like our U S IPAs and they're very different. This one, as far as the, uh, aroma is concerned, you get this, uh, kind of a pale, uh, uh, light bready, uh, it's very light biscuity, uh, note and it's very medium low, uh, to even medium is, is typical of the style. This one is really showcasing much more, uh, a caramel in that malt, uh, profile, uh, with the hops, however, you can get a medium to medium high, uh, uh, hop, uh, aroma, uh, the, uh, that can be floral, can be, could be a little bit spicy. Uh, I typically, if it's a British hops, I'm I'm typically looking for a green tea. It could have a little essence of orange. It could be um, it could be very like a like a wet soil type of earthiness to it. Um, this particular sample is is just screaming caramel, and I love it. But uh, but I would expect a little bit more hops out of a, a, a true style. Um, but, uh, through these, you, because of the maltiness and that uh, firm malt backbone, which is different from an American IPA, you can have this low to medium fruitiness, uh, fruitiness or fruity esters that come through, um, that can, uh, be like apple or like light raisin. And, and that's just wonderful. But because of the water, we talked about the higher sulfate. If, if they're using harder water like that, it's okay to get a little bit of sulfur through there. Um, preferably, it's not like that boiled rotten egg uh, type of sulfur, but if it's a little bit of like a struck matchstick 
a sulfur dioxide as if that's just real low, then that is perfectly okay. Um, but that's what you can expect out of the aroma. Let's talk about the flavor. Well done, friend. I am very intrigued. And again, if you come off, come across this English IPA uh, example, and we are talking, Jeremy's talking about Porter Brewing Company in the US, but classic examples from the country of origin in England are truly to be um, regarded and secure them, taste them. And yes. so when you taste, you're going to notice a lot of the characteristics that Jeremy talked about. And so we will lead with, and this is a, a indicative aspect of all India pale ales or IPAs, uh, but the English IPA has uh, centric to hop flavor and bitterness. And the hop flavor is medium to high. So you've got some assertive hop bitterness in there. Uh, the IBUs are 40 to 60 international bitterness units. That's not aggressive, but I, I like the word assertive there. And then the hop flavor is what maybe Jeremy's um, getting from those English style hops, often floral, herbal, spicy, peppery. You can get some citrus or orange or marmalade notes from those hops. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny that when you taste this, it is a beer style if you're going to style guidelines that merits and um, almost demands the beer to be hop centric first and then the malt flavor as a supporting kind of the backup singer to the band lead singer of the hops. So malt flavor should be medium low to medium, which is, I think, reasonable. And medium is going to make it very pronounced. Um, but you're looking for those beautiful English pale malt notes. And these are the ones of romance novels that really make me want to write books on this style. <laughs> and you've got, you know, toast and bready biscuit and toffee and caramel. And you don't want these anything but nuanced, anything but delicate, anything but poetic and um, uh, reserved enough to be noticed, but not a um, obnoxious presence of them. Then you've got the essence of the finish. And in talking about flavor, you remember that I've been taught by Randy Mosier that tasting beer is a movie. It's not one moment in time. It's an event. So as Jeremy takes a sip, and I'm talking three, five seconds in, there's a beginning taste, there's a mid-taste, and there's an aftertaste. So no matter what residual sugar Jeremy's going to try, with a pretty high final gravity of 10.10 to 10.15, you want to pay attention to the fact that the style guidelines emphasize that this beer should finish medium dry to very dry. And what's mm -hmm. going to help that is that high sulfate, hard water profile from Burton on Trent. And so Jeremy definitely is pointing out um, in his aroma things that only can be noticed by smell. And I am pointing out what you perceive by the palate in taste. And so the balance is towards the hops um, and then the malt is a supporting star. You've got essence of um, sulfate, hard water usage, which helps dry out the finish in the aftertaste of that beer. Um, and then you may get an essence of ethanol, um, and some, uh, I mean, I'm not seeing the style guidelines here allow for diacetyl, Jeremy. Um, you mentioned that. That's an off flavor, um, can be a flavor component that's good or bad from yeast. Depends on what the brewer intended. But I like a little bump of diacetyl. It gives me a little bit mm -hmm. of butterscotch or buttery essence as long as it's not aggressive. And yeah, that's... I, I don't think diacetyl is technically allowed for the style, but... I'm not going to dock any points for just a little little touch of butterscotch at the end. And and, and frankly, it's going to be difficult to decipher a touch of butterscotch uh, from a toffee or a strong caramel. And 
And, and, and my comment was there are greater sins in this world than having a, a touch of dacetyl in my British IPA. Um, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so I, and that's why I think it's okay to mention as you did, and this is all style guideline study, but it's also then brand or homebrew study. And if you like it in the flavor and it enhances the flavor, then have at it. And diacetyl can enhance the mouthfeel as well as the actual um, essence of flavor. So speaking of mouthfeel, Jeremy, what is, yep. um, for English IPAs, the, the mouthfeel? For English IPA, what I'm looking for in a, in a kind of a bullseye of the style and, and, and not something close is I want it to be smooth. I, you know, honestly, I don't know any beer style at all, period, that uh, allows it to be harsh. If it's harsh, it's usually aged or poorly brewed to begin with. We're talking about IPAs. There's a lot of hop bitterness that can kind of grip you on the both sides of the back of your tongue. And, and grippy is a, is a term I've heard other um, extremely knowledgeable people use when it comes to this bitterness. It can grip you, but it's not like a rough sandpaper. It's like a really high grit sandpaper, a smooth sandpaper. So it's it's grippy, not harsh. So I expect these to be smooth. I expect them to have uh, quite a bit of body to them, a, a medium low uh, up to about medium body, which is a good solid, uh, you know, right in the middle there. Um, I don't expect any any uh, astringency out of this. Again, that adds to the harshness, but th there's a it's it's a challenge to decipher uh, astringency, which is that dryness you get from tannins uh, from hops. Um, from a dry finish. When I think of a dry finish that you talked about, Julia, I think about, um, you know, like that stuff you can spray on your windshield of your car so that when it rains, the water just sheets off um, instead of uh, forming droplets. To me, that's like a finish where you have all this water on your palate and then it just sh uh, sheets off and your palate is clean, ready to go for the next uh, sip. That's how I think about uh, dry versus a sweet finish in that regard. So astringency and finish, they're kind of similar, but they're different. Um, with these beers, I also think about uh, a medium to medium high carbonation. Uh, um, and that's really adding to that uh, medium body as well. Uh, and because they're strong by nature, relatively strong by nature, having a little bit of uh, low alcohol warming is okay. Um, if you if you detect that, it's not a problem. That that ought to be there. That's kind of a a, a picture of a typical British IPA according to the guidelines. Um, but that's the mouthfeel. Let's talk about uh, style comparison. This is where it gets really fun for me. It really does. And to do beer studies, you're tasting very similar beer styles. The more advanced you get, or brother, sister, cousins, kind of. Uh, in the er in the early studies, and then you really go for um, your exact match, but but subtly different. And so yeah. the style guidelines talk about uh, generally well more late hops and less fruitiness and caramel than British pale ales and bitters. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at ordinary best and strong bitters to really compare this to. Uh, I would all the way go up on the other end of the spectrum. And what about, um, you know, English uh, barley wine, right? That's a, that's the like up the ladder one rung. And then the British pale ales are below the rat rung on this, but they're very similar in some of the base ingredients. Then you also talk about um, in comparison, less hop intensity and more pronounced malt flavor than typical American IPAs. So if you're going to try an English IPA, have it um, against some of the British um, bitters, 
and then also have it with, I would say, an English barley wine, um, and then also have it with an American IPA. And I bet you that would be a very mind-expanding um, practice to do for your for your beer studies because there's a lot of similarities, but there's also some definite differences. Yeah, and that's a thing that uh, it, it, this is a great stereotype that rings true more often than not that if you if you're in the US or anywhere else in the world and you have a US West Coast IPA that just happens to be a little bit darker a little bit more malt balanced chances are that is going to fall into a more of an English IPA category because if I were to you know side by side take a generic English IPA and a generic American West Coast IPA, not a hazy, but a, a traditional American West Coast IPA, the British one is going to be more malt balanced and the American is going to be slanted more toward hops. That's just the way that um, everything evolved. We, you know, Back in the day, uh, the uh, brewers, the home brewers decided that you know, you know, bigger is better in typical American fashion. Uh, so we went bigger on hops and, and, uh, and you know, the rest is history. Well um, right. So uh, let's talk about some commercial examples. Now, granted, I lucked out. I found one from that's not a perfect uh, commercial example, but it fits the guidelines perfectly because it's a British style pub. But uh, if you had the chance, if you're in, in England, you'll find them uh, plenty. If you find a big box store, or if you're luck out, you'll find them. Um, uh, but we just talked about if you're looking for a microbrewer or small brewer, craft brewer, if it's more malty, if it's darker, chances are it's going to be on the uh, British side. The commercial examples you can look for are the Fuller's Bengal Lancer IPA, the Meantime London IPA, uh, the Worthington White Shield, the Berkshire uh, Lost Sailor, Marston's Old Empire uh, IPA, and uh, Thornbridge uh, Jaipur, um, which is kind of uh, alludes to uh, the uh, India, so India, India pale ale. Um, but those aren't the only ones out there. And you may not find those. I've never seen uh, those uh, in my recent memory, but I found plenty of others that fit the bill. So, so you kind of have to look at the guidelines and do the best you can to find it. Um, but we've been alluding to the numbers here for quite a bit. So let's, let's talk about the numbers. Excellent. Let's talk about the numbers and the easy tip on English IPA that I will tell your mind to follow in remembering the vital statistics in this style is there's a lot of fives, right? The original gravity starts at 1050 and goes to 1070. The mm -hmm. final gravity is 1010 to 1015. The ABV is 5 to 7.5% alcohol by volume. That's a lot of fives. And if you can anchor on the original gravity of 1050 to 1070, you're in a good starting point because you will probably get the rest. Then international bitterness units I mentioned earlier, 40 to 60. Granted, you know, you want to balance um, bitterness units with residual sugar, and then that gets you a true essence of the BU to GU ratio. But 40 to 60 has more assertive hops for bitterness as the style guidelines call for, but not aggressive like American IPAs might be regarded as. And then SRM or standard reference method for color is that six, meaning just dark gold to 14, which is really getting towards more of a, um, a, a deep dark copper. Um, so these are really grounding statistics that I think are, are fair to uh, try to have you all remember and study. Um, and I think you should. So study this style. And with that, um, speaking kind of of, of me numbers and, and the like, what about temperature in serving this, Jeremy, and then glassware? 
Yeah, and if it's okay, uh, I did a little bit of research. I'm trying to do better for a global audience. Um, I did look up the uh, the EBC uh, on this as well as the degrees Plato. Um, so for all of you who don't speak uh, SRM or uh, original final gravity, uh, the uh, you know the EBC uh, color, the European Brewery Convention, is typically twice, but we're looking at twelve to twenty-eight here. Um, and the degrees Plato uh, for original gravity can be anywhere from 11.4 to 15.7. We've talked about the difference between gravity or the relationship, the core relationship between gravity and Plato. They're interrelated, but um, I'm going to say that for another time. The final gravity, 3.1 to 4.6. But when you kind of work out the math, if you're thinking about the the gravity or the alcohol in degrees Plato, then we're talking right around eight to eleven, um, and that and that matches up with the ABV there. Um, I just want to throw that in there because I I think it's important for us to uh, speak uh, globalese. Um, so let's talk about glassware, like you asked me to. Um, frankly, I, I've got my dimpled pug mug, pub mug and. Uh, I'm going to stick to this one. Um, we can also, also, excuse me, I also have my uh, Nonic pint as well. These are the two glasses that I would expect um, 90% of these beers to show up in. The other 10%, probably whatever they have on hand. But this is what I'm, uh, uh, if I were a uh, gambling man, I would put my money on these two glasses here. Temperature-wise, because uh, my rule of thumb is uh, the darker, the warmer, um, the, uh, the stronger, the, the, the warmer, g- generally speaking. This one, I would want to drink this, pull it out of the fridge and let it warm up a bit to uh, 42 to 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, if we're talking Celsius, um, you know, I'm thinking like five, six, seven degrees Celsius because I, I want it to be cold, but a little bit warm. Um, uh, a little bit warm to express some of those volatiles. If this were true cask and quote unquote cellar temperature, it's not warm, flat beer. It's cool, slightly effervescent beer. So I would expect those to be anywhere from 45, maybe even up to 50 degrees or, you know, seven to 10 degrees Celsius. That's totally okay. You're going to get more flavor out of that. Um, but just finding that sweet spot for your beer, the warmer it gets, the more the alcohol is going to come out too. Uh, so that's that's what I expect out of these beers, temperature and glass wise. But Julia, kick us into uh, pairings. What would you pair with this? This is a great style that will go if you're in the country of origin. Obviously, with fish and chips and that breading on the outside of some kind of white fish, will Im- it will mimic and mirror and echo back to the pale malt notes. Uh, you've got a great chance to share to try this not with too advanced. Um, cheeses they you know stinky cheeses you can try certainly but aged cheddar would go very very well with this i see definite synergies there to help um to have the cheddar actually the the richness of that cheddar the fat um actually look at that the bitterness of this beer and tell it to calm down a little and then i see a chance for the malt to showcase more um, we list on craftbeer.com ginger spice cake, which I think is a great option. Um, and then one of my favorite pairings is American IPA and fettuccine Alfredo dusted mm-hmm. with a little bit of sage and maybe rosemary. And I absolutely would say if you want to have some fun, do that with the classic American IPA and then have an English IPA next to it and give that a try. 
The other, um, and I could talk all day about why that pairing works because you need beers with a little bit more alcohol. This is five to seven and a half percent, as we said. Um, so it's a little more timid in the alcohol compared to American IPAs, but it will stand up to the richness of the fettuccine Alfredo. It'll, I think, um, help uh, emphasize the umami of that fettuccine from the Parmesan cheese. The richness of the cream in fettuccine, I think, will really um, fall well into the malt flavors of the beer and, and so forth. Um, the last thing that comes to mind is marmalade. I want to have like cheesecake with orange marmalade, just like draped, drizzled all over it, and then try it with an English IPA and see what happens to the flavor of those hops. And hopefully those hops are um, emphasized more, like like um, sometimes can emphasize like, sometimes like um, things can de-emphasize or calm something that's like it. But I would think that those those hops will pop much more with some marmalade next to it. Yeah, if because there's enough bitterness in here that I I couldn't have two, three, four of these at a go. Um, if, if I drink that much to begin with, but when you take that bitterness and those flavors that come out of a beer like this, you said it that H cheddar would be amazing. Uh, you know, if if I'm still in England, I you know I want Scottish eggs, I want uh, bangers and mash, I want some meat pies because of all that butter, that cream, uh, the the all that stuff, the, the bitterness and the flavors would just really mesh and, and just pull out these, uh, um, just, just a wonderful flavor experience. Uh, otherwise, you know, pasta, a creamy pasta, I'm thinking uh, beef stroganoff would be amazing with this as well, but, uh, but you get the idea. Um, th this beer has a lot of impact. There's a lot of bitterness, a lot of malt to balance with. This is a fantastic food pairing beer. If you don't love IPAs, inherently in, in and of themselves, then try them with food and it'll, it'll completely change and be amazing. Well said, friend. I love it. I'm thirsty and hungry as always at the end of this show. And just want to say thanks to everyone for listening to A Sense of Beer Style and good, good beers and cheers to you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to A Sense of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.